0: To get the practical side of it, too, uh, to make it useful to us. But before we start, commandment. Now, I, I put a word to kind of concerning this one. This chapter has to do with truthfulness, right? Truthfulness. What commandment deals with truthfulness? I think, in fact, that was the word we gave to it. If, if you have your notebook, if you don't, that's all right. But if you have your notebook, it's on page 488. And it's the Ninth Commandment, which is the Ninth Commandment. The Ninth Commandment is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. All right? And that's what, in part, we're going to be talking about witnessing and and what we're doing with it. And the the answer here, and I just want to take a minute to read through because I want you to keep this in mind as we talk about our chapter. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man, and the good name of our neighbor as well as our own, appearing and standing for truth, for the truth, and from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly and fully speaking the truth and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice and in all other things whatsoever. And it goes on. Now, my point here is it is the obligation of Christians, and you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but sometimes it's important for us to keep it in mind, but it's our obligation to be a truthful people. Right? If someone knows you're a Christian, they should be able to assume you're going to tell the truth. You're going to speak the truth. You're going to stand for the truth. Right? Now, that comes into play with the oaths and the vows because we'll see some scripture that deals with this idea of. A Christian just being truthful, and being known as being truthful. I mean, you've heard on occasion, um, well, they're they're a good person, but I just I just can't always believe what they tell me. You ever heard that? Maybe said it, <laughs> you know, and and rightly so. And so it then comes to bear on whether or not we're keeping the ninth commandment as we should. But then it also comes to bear sometimes with how we use what we're fixing to talk about, an oath, um, to, to try to bolster our truthfulness, right? So truthfulness, and keep in mind that aspect of the ninth commandment. All right. Confession chapter 22, paragraph 1. A lawful oath, and I'm on page 596. A lawful oath is a part of religious worship. Don't know that we would always put it in that category, right? Just keep that in mind. We'll talk about that in a little bit. A lawful oath is a part of religious worship, wherein, upon just occasion, when it's required, The person swearing, now swearing here is not cursing, all right? That's the language of oaths. I I swear, sworn to, um, uh, as God is my witness, those would be some of the terminology people might use uh, in connection with an oath. The person swearing solemnly calleth God to witness what he asserts, asserteth, or promiseth what he promises, and to judge, to witness and to judge him according to the truth or falsehood of what he sweareth, right? So you're talking with someone, and you can say whatever, and if you then, you say, I I swear, what I'm telling you is true. Now, the rest of that is, I swear before God who I call to be my witness as to what I am saying, and if it's true or not, and to judge me accordingly. Right, That's the rest of it. It's kind of like when we talked about taking the Lord's name in vain. And some of the little phrases and things we say, in fact, are taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, so you know, we have to be careful here. Because you are calling God now to, to deal with you according to the truthfulness of what you're doing. Calling God to witness what we assert or promise and to judge according to the truth or falsehood of what we swear. What we, in, in, in this chapter I, I put a little note at the top. This, this paragraph deals with what an oath is. Right? What is an oath? An oath is our calling God as a witness and a judge on what we're saying or promising. There's two things here. What he asserts, that's I'm telling you the truth. I'm asserting this to be the truth, the fact. Or what you promise. I promise, we might, and some people will say, I promise before God that I will do this. Right? You're calling God to witness. So the first question that I have, you'll see there on page 597, and we'll come back and look at a couple of these other things, but we'll cover a lot of it with our questions. My first question is, what one word characterizes making or taking an oath? And it's found in the, in the uh, paragraph the person swearing does what? You see there, if you've got it, person swearing solemnly. The one word, in what I put down, was solemn. Solemn. It is no light thing to call God to be your witness and to then judge you. You break that promise, you've asked God to deal with you because you broke it. If you didn't fulfill it completely, you're asking God to deal with you because you didn't fulfill it completely. Right? So it's a solemn thing to come and say, Now, God, I want you, above all, I want you to hear, I want you to take note. I want you to hold me to it or deal with me if I don't perform or if I don't tell the truth. Solemn thing. Number two, my question, second question, which of the Ten Commandments is specifically brought to bear upon the matter of oaths? All right? Now, just think about it for a minute. Maybe somebody knows the answer. What are we doing? Who are we calling upon? God. So, if we are not genuine or sincere in what we are saying, what have we done? Well, we've taken his name in vain, the third commandment. And if you go back and look at our dealings with the third commandment, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And how he has revealed himself. A lot of ways that that can be done. We're not to take his name in vain. So if we swear. And we are not conscious of what it is we are doing. We've taken God's name in vain. So again. um, not, Not something that. I dare say a lot of us think about or have thought about in that respect. The other one, and we may hit this a little bit as we go along here, but the other one is that if we swear by other than God's name, and this comes in in one of the next paragraphs, but if we swear by other than God's name, we have broken the second commandment. Or we have engaged in idolatry. Right? Now. And if you look at um, the, the proof text there in connection with the third commandment. You'll see the proof text number two, Exodus 27, which is the third commandment. And then Jeremiah uh, as well. Or excuse me, the Leviticus, which I think is on the next page Leviticus 19.12 you can jot that one down as well there it is up top Uh, looking at the wrong one Uh, Leviticus 19.12 you shall not swear by my name falsely neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God so taking the Lord's name in vain Number three, I mentioned a lawful, that that beginning part, a lawful oath is a part of religious worship. So just think with me for a minute. What what makes a lawful oath an act of worship or a part of religious worship? What would would do that? Um, What do you think? Now, again, keep in mind, chapter 21, we just finished it up. It's been a while since we did the first part of it. Chapter 21 deals with religious worship. And we talked about in 21.1, let's just take a quick look at it, 21.1, which is on page 538, the light of nature showeth that there is a God who hath lordship and sovereignty over all, is good, and doeth good unto all, and is therefore to be, now here are some Aspects of worship generally. To be feared, loved, praised, called upon, right? That's where we are. Called upon, trusted in, and served with all the heart and with all the soul and with all the might and so forth. And then the specific worship of God is directed by him. But in general, we... We we call upon it. We, we and I talk about this. The chief end of man. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to what. Enjoy him. To enjoy Him, to make use of Him, right, to help us in this life. And calling upon God in this way is one of the ways we make use of God in our everyday life. Now again, you're not likely you shouldn't need to be swearing in everyday life that much, right? It shouldn't be uh, something that you've got to do. Again, you let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, you just speak the truth. And and our, our confession talks about upon just occasion. So when it's appropriate, you don't just go doing this just to make a point. And unfortunately, that's what we do sometimes. But the lawful oath, and I put down, what about God, are we, are we um, God's attributes? What of what God's attributes come into play here? We're asking him to witness and to judge, right? So, what are we ascribing to God? His, his omniscience, that's one, right? God knows, that's why we do the oath. God, you know, and I know that you know. And therefore, you are in a position to judge. And of course, God's judging brings into play his His righteousness, truth. We have Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. God is truth. And here we're saying, if I'm not truthful, you judge me. So we are acknowledging. And in doing so, you're worshiping. Right? You are giving God, if I can put it this way, you're, you're giving God credit that, that what you know about him is true. And we know that he's omniscient, that he knows all things. Where can I go? Where can I go? And you don't see me. All right? We, we acknowledge God knows everything. So here, when we call upon him to do this, we have to believe he's going to know, and he's going to know the truth. He's going to know what went on. And then my fourth question there, what is, I had unique, I think, significance probably a better word. What is significant about God being the witness? What I just mentioned, and it's the Second Chronicles passage up there, number 2. If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear. So, now so here, something's happened. And they bring this man forward, and basically, all right, with God as your witness... Calling upon God to deal with you if you don't tell us the truth. What happened? Right? If a man sin against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge. Right? Here we see it. And judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head. And by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness day to day affairs right day to day affairs nothing spiritual per se thing put it that way this is this is everyday life it's spiritual in that there was a wrong done and therefore there was a sin against God in the wrong so it's spiritual in that sense but this is where one person dealing with the other has done wrong and calling upon God then to deal with the matter. You know? Now, often said, I wonder what this world would be like if when somebody did you wrong, you simply said, fine. I'll pray and ask God to deal with the matter. And if I've misunderstood, then I'm going to pray that God will deal with me. And if I haven't misunderstood, I'm going to pray that God will deal with you. You know, that should strike more fear in hearts than saying, I'm going to sue you. That would be, I'm going to get even. Fine. You know and I know what's Right and I'm going to get even, or I'm going to sue you, or I'm going to take action. No, I just said, fine. I'm just going to ask God to deal with you and to deal with me as he knows the truth to be. Because that's what the ninth commandment requires of us, to be truthful. And it requires of the other person to be truthful. And God knows. But doing the oath brings it and invites God into into the matter directly. Now, he's obviously involved all the time, but now you are making a point to bring him into the matter. Bob. Uh, What about a civil oath? Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it does. Now, they've taken it out a lot of times, but at the same time, and we'll see this in just a minute. So if I, can, if I can hold on to your question for just a minute, because I think we'll see uh, the, the answer to that. Bob's question was, what about a civil oath? Um, what, a courtroom type thing? Or Yeah, okay. Uh, where, you know, the witness goes up, and before they take the stand, the judge, raise your right hand, put your left hand on the Bible, except they don't use the Bible much anymore. Just raise your right hand. And now the language is, "Do you solemnly swear that the truth, that the uh, testimony you're about to give is the truth?" They don't say, "So help you God" anymore, um, because people objected. Well, I don't believe in God. That's what some people would say. I don't believe in God. And and we'll we'll deal with that in a little bit more in, in just a minute.
1: Tim,
0: Vows are next. Let me now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hang on to yours for a is little bit. A civil, but, yeah. Is that
1: a civil
0: vow or a spiritual vow? No, it, it's it's a spiritual. As, as as a civil oath, all right, is not just civil.
1: And yet the divorce rate's
0: 50% among Christians. hmm Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit too when we get to vows. Oaths and vows. And um, we'll 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 mark the distinction between the two oaths is a broader okay is a broader thing oaths involve man with man bringing God into the picture into the equation as a witness and judge
1: when you make that distinction can you also discuss pledges like church pledges for building funds
0: yeah and and again um, that's and I will um, because again as, as we look at these, the solemnity of them brings, hopefully, makes us stop and think, well, number one, do I need to do that? Number two, is it right to do that? And whether it's right or not brings to bear whether or not it's something Scripture would approve of. And number two, is it a proper use? Is it a lawful lawful being before God? Is it a lawful oath or vow right? and again, stuff we do all the time we see it, we hear it and um and yet you know i, I at least i've never thought about it that much you know it's just okay i I'm, I'm I'm saying i'm I'm getting a little. I'm, I'm ratcheting up the emphasis on truth. I am I am placing this emphasis on the truthfulness of what I'm saying. Well, it's a lot more than that, right? Because of what we what we will learn as we go along here. All right. So the oath is calling upon God. So as we use this term oath. And as we speak and do things, this is what's happening, whether it's stated or no, right? If it's not stated at all, now if you say, I call um, Buddha as my, you know, I swear before Buddha, um, it's not a lawful oath because obviously Buddha doesn't know when know whether it was truthful or not and cannot judge so it's really not a lawful oath it's idolatry because now you you are attributing to buddha characteristics or attributes that are only true about god so anytime we ascribe or we call upon anything else It's as if that person, entity, thing, whatever has the ability to do what only God can do and therefore you get into taking the Lord's name in vain and the idolatry aspect, right? All right. Second, well, let me see if there was anything. I would note, Um there there is and, and we'll hit this, if you look down at the bottom of page five ninety six, the Matthew five, thirty four and thirty seven, now this is Christ talking, right? He says, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Then thirty seven, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Right? Just two points. And we may talk about this a little bit more paul if you look up in the first paragraph the proof text second corinthians 123 here you have paul making an oath moreover i call god for a record upon my soul i'm asking god to judge what i have to say and to 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 Deal with and know what is the truth. I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. So the reason I haven't come was to spare you. And God, I call God to judge me if that's not the truth. So Paul did an oath, right? Christ himself did an oath. When he was before Caiaphas, the judgment hall. Remember what Caiaphas said to him, or what he asked him. Let's take a quick look at it. What is true? Yeah, it, it, the uh, not what you do. It's um, and I'm I'm trying to think of the exact wording. Um, if we look at Matthew. Not Matthew. Let me find my. I think I'm gonna hit it a little bit later, but I'm gonna go ahead and deal with it right now. Um you ah. see if I can find it real quick. Looking at the uh, passage in Luke to see if it's there. I don't remember if it's in that one or. But I want the I want the particular wording. Um, basically, it's where Caiaphas asked him if he was God, if he was the Christ. But the way he put it is, I adjure you. Will you, under oath, state that you are the Christ? And Christ said, Thou hast said. Something to that effect. In effect, yes, I acknowledge it. Basically, under oath. So, the Matthew, my point being, the Matthew 5 passage that Christ is teaching does not, it's not Christ saying, don't ever use an oath. because then if you say that, he contradicted what he taught. Matthew 5 is dealing with the Pharisees, and their misuse of oaths. You know, Growing up, I don't know if you ever did this, you're talking to somebody and you put your hand behind your back and cross your fingers. You you ever remember doing that? Now, I promise you, I promise you. Yeah, but you promised, "Ah, but I had my fingers crossed. I had my fingers crossed. Uh, So I really didn't promise you. Well, the Pharisees almost played those kind of games you you could swear by this and if it if it dealt with this kind of a matter then the oath had to be maybe these particular words and this you're swearing by the temple or you're swearing by the city or whatever um, and Christ is saying no the mark of the christian ought to be such that you let your yea be yea and your nay nay jack
1: we've all played those games <laughs>
0: But it's not not keeping you from swearing. No, I... Okay, that... Well... On the face, it looks that way.
1: It's dangerous to me. This is just my opinion. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's what I'm asking for. I try not to make distinctions between swearing, oaths, pledges, vows. I'm just not smart enough to make those distinctions. And usually when I make distinctions like that, I'm wrong. And when my Lord's telling me don't do it. Then I I don't sign pledge cards because I've known people that have signed pledge cards and then two years later they've lost their job and they're in turmoil. You you can't foretell the future. You know, there's so many. This is so deep, is what I'm saying.
0: Well, and and so so the, the and, and I think the Lord is making a point here, very much along the line of what you're saying. But he's, he's also... You have to be careful because, like I say, you could very easily say, well, the Lord taught you should never take an oath or you should never swear. And that's not what he was teaching. Uh, because he did himself. That's why I pointed it out. But what he's doing is saying, no, you don't play games with this in that you don't swear by heaven. Right? Heaven, heaven doesn't know anything. Heaven... I mean, God is there, but you, you don't, that's not synonymous with God in this case. You're picking something holy and you're swearing. I swear on the Bible. Well, the Bible doesn't know whether you're telling the truth or not. It can reveal things, but yet we, we sometimes, but we are elevating the Bible to, to the position of God if we're swearing on the Bible, as it were. And that's what the the Lord here is dealing with is the the hypocrisy of the Pharisees where you do this if you if if it deals with animals, and I don't know what the particular situations were, but I'm just making something up here if you're dealing with animals, then you swear this way and and you swear on you know the, the my crop or something whatever uh, but the point being that you don't, you you got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it, and you do it the right way and one way only. The Pharisees just made up, as we know, they made up rules left and right, um, and, and tried to bind people to follow their rules. And I, well, you know, I'm not bound by what I swore to you, because... I really had to, to swear it with these words, and I used these words. So you can't hold me to my promise. See, that was what it was used for, uh, to, to basically get out of what they had promised or the truthfulness of what they said. you said, well, but you can't hold me to it because I had my fingers crossed, right? Whether they intended or not, they started looking for ways or you know, two people come, and he promised me he would do this, and well, what was t- tell us the words that he used? Well, he used these words, ah well, those aren't the right words, so you can't hold him to it and and the Lord is saying what we started, how we started with the ninth commandment it, there's no reason to have to do this as a rule. there are just occasions. But as a rule, our word is our bond, as the word the saying goes. We ought to be trustworthy enough that all we got to do is say, yes, I promise. You know, you don't need to say, before God, I promise. You say, I promise. Okay, you promise. That's your word. And that should be good enough. So, it's... um. It's important, and let's look at, at paragraph two. Let's just read through it. I'm going to stop a couple of minutes early. Paragraph two, the name of God only is that by which men ought to swear, and therein is to be, it is to be used with all holy fear and reverence. So God's name is the only thing by which we swear. And if we swear by any other, it's not a lawful oath. It's wrong. It's sinful. Um, And therefore, when we do swear, when we do take this oath, it invokes God. Unless you specifically say otherwise, in which case, like I say, it's not a lawful oath. Therefore, to swear vainly or rashly by that glorious and dreadful name, Or to swear at all by any other thing is sinful and to be abhorred. Yet as in matters of weight and moment, an oath is warranted by the word of God under the New Testament as well as under the old. So a lawful oath being imposed by lawful authority, the court for example, in such matters ought to be taken. So there is a time and a place. Where you call men, and and again, if you think about it, the idea was to, in part, strike fear in somebody's heart. Because before believers, right? And unbelievers aren't going to understand this so much as believers. But you and I know that God knows. So when we ask him to take note of what it is we're saying or promising and to judge us, what, what should we expect if we aren't truthful or if we break our promise? Wait a minute, Lord, don't judge me. I, 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 was, I was foolish when I did that. I, I, I spoke too quickly. I, I didn't know. You know what Jack was just saying. I didn't know what circumstances were going to be like, and if I'd have known hmm. we understand when we do this, there's no turning back. That's the point of it being so solemn. There's no oops. Right? You do it. As we'll see, you do it till you're hurt. You know, if it's fulfilling your promise that you've sworn to before God or doing without a meal for a day or two, you know, just tighten the belt. That's how serious it is. And that's why in, in thinking about it and dealing with it, we, we just need to be aware of what's involved here and, and how it might come into play in our life. All right, well, we'll pick up with paragraph two. Now, I hope you'll kind of look through and, and see in some of the proof text. I mean, it's, it's an interesting part. It's, you think, well, that's kind of mundane. Well, it's not. It's not, and it's part of our everyday life. So and Bob, I'll get back to the civil thing. I still, I, we'll hit that. So, all right. Anybody? Any other questions before we close? All right. Well, we'll stop here and uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful. Lord, that you've given us the the your word that teaches us how we are to live. When we think about our study of the Ten Commandments and all that is brought into play in, in in what we're to do and how we're to act and how we're to deal with one another and how we are to um, uh, think upon thee and, and, and the position you occupy in relation to us or just everything in our life comes to bear. Uh, your Your word comes to bear upon it. So we pray that you would help us Lord that we would not do things rashly or foolishly that we would not do things that we don't, if we were thinking or knew exactly what we were doing, we would say, oh, I I don't want to do that. I I would never do that. I'm fearful of doing that. Lord, sometimes we just don't know and we thank you for your word and for your spirit that directs us and teaches us. Lord, help us to study that we might know, that we might obey you and do that which is pleasing in your sight. Bless us now in the time between now and the service, Then we pray that you would meet with us here. Help us by your spirit to worship you aright, we pray. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen.